So here's the question. How do active people in the Atlanta area stay pain-free and live the active, fulfilled life that they deserve at any age? This is the question, and this podcast is the answer. I'm Danny Matei, and welcome to the Active Atlanta Podcast. The Active Atlanta Podcast is sponsored by Athletes Potential. At Athletes Potential, we help active adults stay that way, pain-free and active doing the sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better for life. Head to athletespotential.com to learn how we can help you stay active for life today. What is up, Atlanta, and welcome back to the Active Atlanta Podcast. I'm your host, Doc Jake Swart, and today we have a trio of people on this podcast. We have a founder and owner of Coach Carl, uh, Carl Liebers, um, a running coach extraordinaire who works with a ton of my clients, and I'm so excited to get him on the podcast. Uh, and then we also have um, oh, one of our docs, an endurance enthusiast, uh, Sam Gillespie. So um, all three of us are going to tackle this podcast today, and I couldn't be more excited. So uh, without further ado, Carl, man, thank you so much for, be- for getting on the podcast here. Absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate y'all having me on. Yeah, man, absolutely. So um, give us a little bit of your background here. So like, I know I've worked with, a, we work with a number of runners in the Atlanta area, and it seems like a number of the really um, talented runners that we work with have at some point have some connection with you. Yeah. So I originally came to Atlanta in uh, 2005, I guess it was, and uh, started working with the cross country and track teams at Emory University and was a volunteer coach there uh, for a year and then uh, took over the coaching duties for the men's cross country and distance track runners uh, at Emory and was in that position for eight years. And by then I had gotten married and we were talking about having kids and the collegiate coaching lifestyle just didn't seem like a good fit because I wanted to actually see my kids. And, uh, so, so decided to leave that and, and, you know, start a a private coaching business. And that was just over eight years, eight eight and a half years ago now, uh, since I started doing that. And so, yeah, so I think there was uh, a a number of connections sort of formed during my time at Emory um, and then uh, expanding out into the the personal private coaching after that. Yeah, man. Did you, that's interesting. Did you feel like you got a lot of like, uh, so a really good buddy of mine, his name is uh, Brett Bartholomew and he talks about it all the time. Like there's kind of like this, um, I don't know, almost like a crabs in the bucket type of phenomenon that happens in collegiate coaching. Um, we're like, there's almost like some pushback that'll happen sometimes with uh, like people or coaches, specifically collegiate coaches going into like the private sector. Like, did you experience any of that pushback? Uh, no, not really. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, sort of ever, ever since leaving collegiate coaching, I think I've realized this is what I'm doing now is a better fit for me personality wise. And, uh, so yeah, it, it always seemed like a pretty, pretty smooth and natural transition and, uh, yeah, no, no real pushback, I would say. That's awesome. And then when you left and went into uh, coaching on your own, um, what was your style? Like, why did you feel like you could make the jump and go off on your own? And how do you, and how do you like to, uh, uh, carry out your coaching now that you're, uh, running the show here? 
Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, so when I left Emory, I didn't know if I could do it for sure, but I just totally. figured <laughs> it's what I was already doing. So let's, let's <laughs> give this a shot and, and see if, uh, if we can make it work. But what I did know, um, you know, just from, from talking with other runners in the Atlanta area was, um, that there were an awful lot of people, uh, that, were looking for, or, or I shouldn't say they weren't necessarily even looking for direction with their running, but they needed direction with their running, uh, whether they whether they knew it already or not. And um, you know, one of the the things that I ran into over and over and over again early on was um, people that you know whether they had read something online or they watched a YouTube video or or picked up a book that you know, the information they had did not match with what they were able to do in their lives. Right. And mm-hmm. so I think after, after the first little bit of, of beginning to work with adult runners, the light bulb sort of went on where, you know, the real need was somebody who could come in and say, okay, if, if this is what you have going on in your life, this is what your training needs to look like rather than, you know, the approach that so many of the books and, and things take where it's, you know, okay, if this is your goal, this is what your training needs to look like. And mm-hmm. so um, I think I would, I would attribute most of my, the growth of my business and, and uh, you know, sort of the, the traction I've been able to make with this idea of understanding that busy adults are busy and, uh, and, and understanding, you know, what I call the athlete centered coaching model where, you know, I tell people I'm not Moses coming down the mountain with the tablets and the commandments here, right? Like I work for you, you, you tell me, you know, what limitations we have to work around, what you like to do, what you don't like to do. And then it's my job to, to put together a, a plan that works. Um, and I think it's really resonated well uh, with people. And, and again, especially with adults that are busy, you know, they've got work, they've got family, they've got kids. And, um, you know, I think, un- unfortunately, I think it's a fairly unique process and perspective. Uh, although in my opinion, it should be how most adult recreational coaching works. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that, um, and you know, you said something interesting too, like you, you like uh, so many people are finding information via books or blogs or videos or YouTube or whatever. And, and that's awesome. Like we get people that do that all the time within our clinic as well. Right. Like they'll mm-hmm. come in and they mm-hmm. think like, and they're close, right? Like the, like the, right. like they're on the right Absolutely. track, you know, yes. like, uh, like, well, I think my back is hurting me because of X, right. Or I think my mm-hmm. knees bothering me because of Y and they're like, and that's great because the internet's fantastic for being able to find information. The issue yep. is information is useless unless you know how to apply it, right? right. Like, if you don't know the context of where it's coming from, right? 100%. Like if you don't understand the context, if you don't know how to apply it, like um, our roles as, as docs of PT is really just more like information clarifiers for people more and versus like information like givers, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I love what you, the approach that you take in terms of like uh, fitting running around the athlete and try, instead of trying to make the athlete fit a certain running schedule. Um yeah. And I can see that being a pretty new phenomenon within the coaching world as well. Yeah. And, and like, as you know, like I said, it, it, it probably should be more prevalent than, than it is. Um, but I think, you know, one of the things that, that I found is, and I joke about this a lot is that, you know, half of my job is just telling people to do less. 
right? Yeah. Because nobody, nobody's going to watch the YouTube video or read the book that's like, you know, oh yeah, you know, you, you can do a lot of easy running. You can take days off. It'll be fine. Like that's, that does not, that doesn't go viral. That's not appealing, right? So the information that tends to get presented to people sometimes is, is a little bit outside of the scope of, uh, of what they can or should be doing. Mm, man, that is such a good point. You're so wrong or you're so right, right? Like, uh, it's not, you're so wrong. You're so right. Like it's not, uh, it's not wrong, but it also doesn't sell to like say, Hey, right. I'll just take a rest break or rest day, you right. know, or right. 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 you don't have to run that hard, you know, like, right. uh, yeah, people are not interested in that. Um, I mean, you, you get, I love David Goggins, but you got people like him, like, making a career off of living in the extremes, right? Exactly. Exactly. And and I think even if even if they get that information, it's really hard uh in our sort of modern society to give yourself permission to do less, right? Like, I mean, we're told all the time, like no pain, no gain, like, you know, grind all the time, all this stuff. And it doesn't work with distance running, but um, but it's it's it I, I think it's really hard for the individual to say, I'm going to do this and it's the right thing to do. It's easier when there's an outside voice that says, no, no, like this is fine. You know, you're going to run X number of days and it's going to be totally fine. Uh, and, and somebody to sort of give that, you know, permission for lack of a better word uh, to, to take the days easier to take the days off or things like that. Mm, yeah. Sam, what do you see in the clinic when you're working with your endurance athletes? Are you seeing something similar with this? Yeah. So I would say um, that, I see a lot of people trying to rush into their races without mm. like a big base to go along with. So one thing that I would totally agree with Carl is like managing and being more consistent at like lower volumes with easier workloads rather than trying to stuff it all into the two months prior to a race. Um, I don't know if that's what you see, Carl, in terms of like managing people over a year or multiple years rather than just like managing them in season. I don't know how you go about yeah. doing that. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really good point. And, you know, I think so many of the people that I work with are people that I've worked with for a long time now at this point. Right. Um, and so I think they're sort of aware of the lead time that they need. Um, and I think you know, is it, I, I think the point that you made is, is fantastic. Like it's better to do a little bit and be consistent with it than to sporadically do a whole lot. You know, it's going to do very, very little for your fitness to take that approach. It's going to greatly <laughs> increase your risk of injury to take that approach. Um, and, and, you know, those are some of the key terms that I use over and over with people when I start working with them. So we can make sure we're on the same page is that I want your, your training to be sustainable and enjoyable, right? And mm -hmm. if it's not sustainable and it's not enjoyable, then we're not going to be a good fit. <laughs> you know, totally. if you want somebody to drive you into the ground for eight to 12 weeks to try to hit a single goal and then be done, that's not really, you know, what, what's going to work with, with my coaching style and, and my coaching philosophy, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I tell people I'd rather, you know, my number one goal is to make sure you hit the finish line, happy, healthy, and ready for whatever comes next as opposed to burned out, injured, but hey, you hit your goal time, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and so, you know, trying to instill that idea of this is a long-term process and, uh, and we may not get all the way to, you know, X goal in this first training cycle, but let's lay the foundation. Let's do the work so that we know 
you know, where we need to go down the line to, to keep you improving. Yeah. Exactly. So what is your, what is your goal setting, uh, like session look like? Do you get, do you have one of those? Is that like day one? Like, what does that look yeah, like? Yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do mostly because people yeah. expect it. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I tell people, look, I want to know what your goals are. Cause I want to know what we're working towards. I, you know, I want to know what, what we're trying to accomplish again, you know, long, long term. what, what are we working with here? But I also tell them that the way that I approach training is where are you at right now? And what's the next logical step? And so we are always going to work forward from where you're at rather than backwards from the goal. Right. So it's, it is important to know, you know, what they sort of have in mind and what we're shooting for. And if those two things can, you know, meld together, fantastic. Um, you know, that's, that's ideal. But, uh, but if they don't, <laughs> we're always going to default to working forwards from where you're at. Uh, because again, I think it makes it more enjoyable. I think it makes it more sustainable. I think it reduces the risk of injury. Um, and I think it increases the chances that we'll get there eventually. And, uh, and like I said, if we work backwards from the goal to me, that's, that's sort of the wrong way to look at it. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. You know, I think that's interesting too. Like, uh, and it's probably a hard thing to do. Like, I feel like runners, um, there's certain, there's certain categories of athlete or that uh, athletes will fall into. And I feel like runners in particular, well, one, they just love to run. Right. So, so like, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's typically a lot harder to pull runners back than it is to mm-hmm. make them run more. I feel like. Right. And so, yes, yes, um, yes. especially if you get somebody that's coming in, like, and most runners, um, you know, like, especially as it gets into adulthood, like use running as a way for like, like that's their me time, you know, like mm-hmm. there's very mm-hmm. few things that are as easy as throwing on a pair of shoes and going out your front door and like going out and doing something for yourself. Right. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So a lot of like really busy professionals, um, high performing professionals love to run for that very reason. Right. Mm-hmm. So yep. Then, yep. Um, do you find like you get a lot of pushback when you're like, Hey man, I just need you to slow down a little bit or, um, <laughs> Hey man, I need you to like, let's, let's, let's build a little bit more here instead of trying to push, instead of trying to push, uh, higher distances or higher speeds. Let's, let's just right. work on, you're going through a lot right now. Let's, let's just let you enjoy the run. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a great question. I'm g- probably going to give you a pretty lengthy answer. Well, uh, it <laughs> may range all over the place. Um, it, it, it depends uh, obviously it depends on the person, right? How, how much pushback there's going to be. It depends when in the process they seek me out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's been true ever since I started that the vast majority of uh, the people that I work with are referrals from chiropractors, from physical therapists, um, you know, from orthopedists. So it's people that have already tried it their way and it's not working. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, yeah. and so those people, those people, it's a little bit easier to convince to, to try something new. Um, if it's just somebody who's, you know, run, you know, maybe they're within five minutes of qualifying for Boston and they're, and they're looking for a coach to get them over the hump. Sometimes it's a little bit harder to, um, you know, to, to kind of, to kind of let go, I guess. Um, and, and, you know, one of the ways that I work around that is I always say like, look, you know, in that example, what you've been doing has been working, right? Like you've, you've made good progress. You you've had good performances. I'm not here to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's, Mm -hmm. you know, take what you've been doing. Um, and, and let's, you know, figure out what we need to tweak, what we need to add, what we need to subtract, whatever it is, uh, to help you take that next step. 
but you know, um, again, there's no, there's no coach Carl system, right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and, totally. and so like, I, I don't need to try to fit their, their round peg into my square hole, right? Like, you know, Love you it. could just, you can, you can work with, with what they've been doing. Um, and I think, you know, this, this kind of goes back to, to my background, but you know, that was one of the biggest things I learned at Emory is, you know, every season you're working with 20 to 25 guys and they're all different. They've all got different stuff going on. Um, and I think the value of a coach really comes when they have a lot of tools that they can use in their toolbox. And the bigger that toolbox is, the easier they're going to be able to adapt the training for, for each individual person. So, um, yeah. you know, like everybody, I've got favorite workouts that I like to recommend and things, but you know, if, if there's somebody that, uh, you know, is just one of those people that wants to hammer every single day, okay, great. We'll do that. But guess what? You're going to run fewer days a week or, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's always, there's always a different way to approach it. There's, there's no one, uh, one set approach. Um, you know, so, so I think that helps with the pushback too, um, is yeah. just trying to say like, look, I'm, I'm not here to, to tell you everything you're doing is wrong, or you have to do everything the way I say it, say no. you should, it's, you know, I'm just, I'm here to help figure out, you know, the, the best way to approach this. Um, you know, yeah. one of the, one of the, you know, metaphors that I really like is, um, the idea of painting versus sculpting. Right. So when you're painting, you start with a blank canvas and you add things to it until the yep. picture's done. When you're sculpting, you start with, you know, clay or stone or whatever it is, and you take things away until it's done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think in most cases, I view myself as a painter, <laughs> right? We yeah. want to, we want to start with a blank slate. We want to add yeah. the things that we need until we're done and then we're done. Um, you know, but, but so sometimes if somebody's got something that's been working, then you sort of have to shift into sculpting mode and, and take away until, um, until it's done. Okay. Yeah. That's actually a really good analogy. Cause you're, you're spot on. Like sometimes I'm sure Sam can attest to this too. Like, um, sometimes we'll get people in and uh, say it's a back pain patient, especially chronic back pain, or we'll keep it, we'll keep it consistent with this. I'll never forget. Um, I had a runner coming in who had like extreme back pain when she was running. Right. And uh, she was just laying on the table and I could see like with every breath, her erectors or these muscles in her spine were like just incredibly engaged. Right. Mm-hmm. On top of mm-hmm. having like a high stress profession, um, and like, and like super type a, which is nothing wrong with being type a. I think a lot of people are, especially, uh, <laughs> especially runners, runners. but, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, uh, but that's okay too. But like all that to say, like for her, like one of the biggest things that we needed to do was almost go into sculpting mode and like, we needed to take mm-hmm. some, take some things away, uh, and just let her, and like, really what we focused on a ton was just breathing, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, sure. get yeah, yeah. on our breathing and we just, or on our running, we ended up like looking at running or a breathing techniques. So, mm-hmm. um, actually really like that analogy. It could be really powerful for the right person. Um, but you're right. Most of the time it's yeah. painting. Sam, what do you got? Yeah. I think that, uh, I, I love that analogy and how it fits with different types of people. I think, uh, mm-hmm. some people obviously need to be added to their program and some people need to be reined back. And then obviously having a great coach that knows the difference between the two, um, and is able to kind of fit that into their schedule and what they what they feel best doing because some people they just feel good doing stuff all the time and it's like sometimes you don't need that you know um i know that going from uh college running and being Mm. able to have 
all the time, what, like what seemed like all the time in the world. I always thought I was busy in college, but now, mm-hmm. like, you know, when you go from like, people have jobs and they have kids, like college was so easy and you just have all yeah, this yeah. time to, to, to do what you need. And then being able to fit in a daily run seems like a chore. Um, right. It's just so important to be able to have somebody help with that guidance. Um, so I, I love those analogies. Yeah, and I think it makes a lot of sense too on what you're talking about with like, uh, well, um, the analogy is great for sure, um, but the it's it's really like the the level of comfort, confidence, and like expertise that you've got with doing this, right? Like, um, mm-hmm. every single person is um, unique for sure, right? But you can start recognizing patterns with people, right? Yes, um, definitely, definitely. It's 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 the same thing with like professional chess players. Uh, weird turn there, mm. but like. Uh, everyone thought that like pro chess players had like uh, like like world class IQs, like IQs much higher than like the general population. When in reality, their IQs were like no different. It was just the, hmm. they they played enough chess that they recognized patterns within the game to be able hmm. to quickly play and play at a high level. Uh, it's kind of the same thing with what you've been able to do with over your years of experience with working right. with runners of all different ages and and from the uh, world's elite to someone trying to run their fi- first 5k and like, yep. and you know, it's, it's really interesting to me how, uh, and I was no different. Uh, I'm not calling anybody else out or anybody. Else. I was the exact same. <laughs> uh, but when I first came out of PT school right, and how a lot of people like really want to work with like the elite athletes of the world, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, I want to go work with those NFL players. I want to go work with like, uh, you know, the, the Olympic, the Olympic runners. Right. And like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for sure, that's a fun population to work with. But man, it is equally, it's just as much, just as challenging and just as much fun and rewarding to, uh, like what Sam was talking about, help somebody who's navigating like real world, like I have a job, yep. two kids, a wife, like, um, you know, all these things I'm trying to work, uh, kind of trying to juggle and running is my, is my passion. I'm trying to fit that into my life. Mm-hmm. Like that is just as rewarding, but it comes and it comes with its own challenges that a lot of times are equally as hard, if not more hard as, or as, uh, harder as, or than, um, trying to help somebody train for like to be, to qualify for Boston. Right. Or to shave those last definitely. couple of minutes off. Um, yeah, definitely. And, and I think, I think my experience at Emory sort of helped me get that out of my system a little bit. Right. Like, you know, when, when you're coaching collegiately, like the only thing that matters is how fast the fastest guys are running. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and as somebody who was never the fastest guy on my team, uh, you know, that, that part wasn't as, as appealing to me. And, um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think I, I what, what to say it, it, you know, uh, may have, may have toned things down, uh, a little bit before I headed into to working with adults in a productive way. Um, yeah. but no, you're exactly right. And, and especially now, you know, as I'm in my forties, as I have two kids, as I'm trying to juggle, you know, my coaching business with carpool drop-offs and pickups <laughs> and everything else, um, it's probably more rewarding to me than, you know, trying to help somebody, you know, attempt to qualify for the Olympic trials or something, because I see myself in these people, right? Like I know that struggle that Sam talked about of, you know, how do I even fit a run in every day? Like this doesn't (laughs) seem feasible to me. Yeah. And, uh, and so if I could help somebody, you know, that, that feels like I, you know, help somebody in a similar position as me, then yeah, that's, that's a fantastic feeling for sure. Mm. Yeah. I think, um, and I think you're right. I think like uh, there's different seasons to being an athlete, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and, and just because you're in a different season doesn't mean you're not an athlete. You know, like I actually heard this really interesting. Um, I was listening to this podcast, and I believe it was an orthopedic surgeon that was talking. But like, 
um, a patient was talking about, uh, you know, do I have arthritis because I used to be an athlete and the, and the doctor's response was like, no, you have arthritis because you stopped being one, <laughs> you know, like, mm, interesting, um, yeah, yeah. which I thought was a really interesting comment. It kind of ties in with what I'm about to say with like, uh, as we, as we age throughout life and like aging is not a bad thing. It's a, it's a blessing really, but like, uh, it's, it comes with its own, like different, different seasons in terms of what's important from athleticism. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. um, and I think that, uh, you know, like from being a collegiate athlete where you're, where your, your main goal is competing, right? Like mm-hmm. that's why yep. you're there is to compete, especially yep. if you're, if you're running on a scholarship, like you're there to win. That's why you're being, that's essentially in a way being paid to go to school. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as you get older and into sh- like your thirties, forties, fifties and beyond, like it's very rare that you're going to be able to continue to run that competitive level. And there has to be a, a shift in like your why behind why you train. Right. And it's not, that's yes. not exclusive to running, but running is the most popular sport in the world. Right. Um, yep. so like a lot of people like have to have that mindset shift, I think at times, and I'll never forget, I had a, and in a different sport, but on the same light of this, I had a gentleman who was a who's an incredible CrossFit athlete. His endurance sport before that was uh, pro cycling, and it was a super tough realization for him to come to, mm. to hit the realization. And this wasn't anything I told him, right? Like this was a self discovery thing that he that he or uh, journey he went on where he realized like, no, nah, I'm just getting older, <laughs> you know. Like uh, it's it's not that like there's anything wrong with his knee or with his back or whatever. Uh, it's just that we need to take some time to recover and you're not going to feel as great after or like immediately falling, but that doesn't mean you have to stop. And quite frankly, you shouldn't because, uh, you're doing all the things appropriately. So uh, I'm sure you feel that. And you have very similar conversations in the running world. And it almost comes like, uh, I know there's some faux pas around this and I don't mean it, but like almost like life coaching in a way. Right. Or like, yeah, uh, right. Right. Almost, almost like a, like a borderline counseling and trying to help people manage the expectations that they have and are constantly comparing themselves to they're ghosts of like Christmas past, essentially, you know? Yep. And I think, um, you know, a, 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 how would you say a surprising number, a, a good number of the people that I work with uh, started running later in life. Right. So, so there isn't, yeah. you know, maybe that, that same issue, but I think that idea of, you know, figuring out the why and the changing why I think so many people got a sneak peek of that during COVID, right. When there were mm. no races and and i think so many people had to sit down and say like why do i run (laughs) because there's no races right now so i either need to figure out a different reason for doing what i'm doing or i need to find a different thing to do um and so i think it'll be interesting to see how those conversations shift going forward because we all had this experience of having to you know deal with those uh discussions and, and conversations and things maybe earlier than we had to physically, um, because, uh, because of the pandemic. That's a really good point. Um, wow, yeah. Sorry. What do you got, Sam? Uh, so I, I have a, a question, Carl, what yeah. um, is your uh, favorite like type of client to work with? Like who's, who's yeah. your, like somebody that you either find really challenging or like they're, doing something different like what what's your favorite type of client to work with sure um so i would say uh that my my favorite client is is when i get the email that says you know uh i i started running let's say maybe you know two to five years ago um and you know i I started doing it just for fun or for fitness or whatever it turns out i really love the sport um 
and I've plateaued, right? The last year, like, you know, I've, I've reached the point where what I'm doing isn't working anymore. And of course, you know, that happens. And, and if you're not changing up what you're doing, like, you know, our bodies are lazy. And so they adapt to the level they have to, and then they stop. And, and so, you know, sort of when they hit that plateau and they're, you know, ready to change some things up, they're ready to, to introduce some new ideas. They're still excited about what's, you know, to come and, and what they can do. And they know they haven't reached their potential yet, but they don't know how to move past this plateau that they're at. Um, you know, that's probably the most exciting for me because there's still that newness and excitement to the sport. Um, you know, there's, there's the opportunity where, you know, I know that they have a good base that we can work from. They have some ideas of things that they like and they don't like, um, you know, it, it gives us an opportunity to, to start a, you know, start from, uh, a, a good foundation in that regard. Uh, but, there's still going to be a, a lot of avenues that we can explore and things they haven't tried before and things they haven't done. Um, and, and a lot of potential there, um, as well. And, and to sort of answer the flip side of that question, um, the ones that I am least excited to work with Ooh, <laughs> are the people that, uh, the people that are, that really what they need is the, like, they need somebody to, you know, get them out. They need a personal trainer more than they need a running coach. Right. And so I, I think having a coach can often offer good accountability. It can be motivating to have a schedule to follow all that sort of stuff. Um, but if you're looking for somebody who's sort of raw, raw, like get you out the door, you know, like, you know, be on your case every single day or whatever. Um, you know, I just, I just tell people straight up when I get those sort of emails that, uh, that there's going to be better options out there for them than me. Coach Carl can't be your reason for working out. Yeah, great. Exactly. I love yeah. that. I'm going to steal <laughs> it, Sam. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Got, I can be the how. I, I can't I, be the why. Is that how we would phrase that? I, don't know. Well, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's it. That's, that's yeah. super important to know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, obviously, that's a struggle for a lot of people, right? Um, it's just that, that they're going to be better served with a personal trainer or somebody like that than they will be with, um, than with a remote running coach, for sure. Yeah, I, mean, I think I mean, like, I'll just say that's huge in knowing who you don't want to work with just as much as who you do want to work with or who you don't work well with versus who you do work well with. Because, you know, there yeah. is a compatib uh, compatibility factor with every single partnership. Um, yep. And, you know, if somebody doesn't know their own why, maybe they figure that out and then come back, circle back and get you back on the, the how train. Yeah, for sure. Because I think, you know, one of my biggest concerns, whether it's uh, for, for people that have never had a coach before, never had a running coach before, at least, whether it's me or whether it's somebody else, I'm always worried they're going to have a bad experience and think that that's how running coaching is, right? And decide that, that because of that bad experience, they don't need or would benefit from a coach. And, you know, so I try to make sure that, uh, that I am working with people that I feel like I can give a good experience with, right? Where maybe it turns out down the line, somebody is a better fit, but they at least had a good enough experience that they understand the benefit and the value of having a running coach. Um, you know, my, my biggest fear would be taking on a client that I know that I won't be a good fit with and turning them off of the idea of running coaching or, or running as a sport uh, long-term. Yeah, I think that's... Um... It's, it's always just as important to know like who you don't work with. And I think, I think the word that Sam used there is um, 
that is that is way more accurate in the description of like whether it's working with somebody like us over at Athletes Potential or with you at at Carl with at Coach Carl and like um it's a partnership, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not it's not a this isn't a one way street. Uh, this is there's a give and take on both ends of this, right? Because um, what people don't understand, or I think they do, but maybe not. They don't. Uh, they don't value quite as much, or, or fully understand to the degree of what it is. But like uh, coaches and physical therapists and healthcare providers, like give a lot to their patients yeah. or to their clients, yeah. right? Like, um, and 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 you want to give your all to to the people that you work with, right? Mm-hmm. And if that's a and if that's a if that effort isn't being reciprocated, and that effort in terms of like you're given 100% every single workout. I mean, just listen to the first half of this conversation. Like <laughs> we want, if that uh, dedication isn't being reciprocated, like that's doing nothing but taking from our cups, you know? And like, and that's yeah, fine but- to a degree. Right. Uh, Cause like th- with part with, with every partnership, like uh, there's going to be give and take, but uh, you want to make sure that you're working with enough people or the majority of the people out there who uh, value what you do and are willing to give just as much as they take from that partnership. And, and give being, of course, there's monetary, but uh, giving being like, uh, no, I'm going to show up and do the things that you say to do, right? Or I'm going to have the dialogue that I need to have with you, or um, I'm going to be honest and open with my goals and what I'm really training for, what my whys are, right? Like those right. are the things that are super fulfilling. Like um, I love what you guys are talking about. Like you know, like Coach Carl can't be the run, the reason why I run, right? Um, right. We we deal with that type of stuff all the time, where it's like, um, you know, people. We, we learned this early on. I'm sure Sam can talk about it too, but like when runner, say a runner comes in with knee pain, right? Like it's not that knee pain that brought them in. Um, a deeper level would be like, they can't run anymore. Right. But mm-hmm. what are they not, but an even more accurate description of why that's important or why they're really in there is like that them not being able to run. What does that mean for their life? <laughs> you know, like, right. Um, right. Do, are you more, are, are you not able to handle the, the workloads that life brings you? Right. Are you not able to feel like, do you feel like a part of your identity is taken from you? Like, knowing why you run. And that's such an interesting concept that you brought about the pandemic. I never even thought about that, but Mm -hmm. um, knowing why you run or why you train to the level you do helps you not just with your training, but it helps you um, when you can't train, right. Or when you get nipped up or when something happens or um, when, when your training does get derailed, right. Like this whole idea of like a perfect training plan. I mean, I don't want to put words (laughs) in your mouth by any means, but like it probably doesn't exist. Right. Like, right. Right. It's more of a process and being consistent with the process. Yeah. And, and because of that, I mean, I think the, the thing that you mentioned that, that I would, would request from my clients more than any of the other things that you mentioned is just the honesty, right? You know, I mean, um, you know, I tell people all the time, like, look, I'm, I'm never going to be upset with you because you skipped a run or you didn't do a long run or you decided to change your race plans or like, you know, I mean, Again, I work for you. The goals that matter are the ones that you set. And if those goals change because of X, Y, and Z, like, you know, I, I'm behind that and I support that 100%. Um, I just need to know what they are and what you actually <laughs> did or didn't do. Right. Um, yeah. And, and you know, I, I'm always surprised how many emails I get where it'll be like, you know, oh, you know, I want to apologize because of blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, no, no. Like, again, you don't have to apologize to me. Like, this this is not about me. Um, yeah. But, you know, like, okay, if, if you didn't do your last three long runs, then we may need to look at, at the goals <laughs> that you have, you know, or, or the goal races you have coming up or whatever it is. Um, 
but uh but again you know and 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 i think this has come with age and with maturity uh for me um you know but it's it's that athlete-centered model right and and it's like okay that's great like if, if that's what you did or that's what you're able to do that's fine we'll move forward from that um and and that's fantastic but um but i need to know what that is um and and you know so e- even more than following the plan you know i mean i think that's always a nice bonus. <laughs> uh, but even more than that, as a coach, I just need you to be honest about what you did or didn't do um, and be willing for me to be honest with you about what that means for what our plans are going forward. Oh, man, I love it. Coaching's messy. Life is messy. It happens, <laughs> right? Like, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. why they hired a good coach like you. They, they can help adapt and adjust and keep everybody on track with what they want to do or reassess and reevaluate the goals and maybe, maybe change those a little bit. So uh, this has been great. Sam, do you have any, any final questions or anything? Um, I just had kind of two that related to kind of running coaching and PT. It would be key things that you see. What are some key things that you see uh, in your runners that you pull them back? And what are some like key, um, moments or factors that you see in your runners where you're like, all right, let's push this a little harder. Cause I think that mm-hmm. kind of relates to, to, to both. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the, the things that I need to pull them back from is usually the number of days a week that they're running. Um, and, uh, the, either the pace or the intensity of the speed workouts that they're doing. Um, and again, I think it comes down to this, you know, kind of no pain, no gain society on, on one hand. Um, but getting back to the idea of the, the painter and the sculptor again, real quick, I, I think where people get into trouble when they find these training plans online or in books or whatever it is, and then they try to adapt it to them is that they're by definition sculpting, right? They're trying to take things away until it fits in their life. And a lot of people tend to take away the easy parts because they want to feel like they're working hard. <laughs> yeah. And and so they're left with, with too many of the, too many of the hard parts. And so, um, you know, one of the questions that I have on, on my questionnaire that I send to everybody is how many days a week can you realistically run? And uh, I would say at least half the people, probably more put a range, right? They'll put four to five or they'll put three to four. And I just always assume that's the lower number and <laughs> build the training that way. Right. You know, because if, if, um, if, if they're waffling on it, um, you know, they, they are going to be more weeks than not where they can't get that extra day in, but they're probably trying to do it. And if they're trying to do it, it means either they're going to be putting too much stress on their body, which is going to be bad for training and for, you know, health. Um, or, they're going to get really frustrated that they didn't do it and that they weren't able to do it. And and sometimes I think it's so much better to have a training plan that involves you running three days a week that you can actually do and feel good about because you did what you were supposed to do than a, than a six day a week training plan where you still run three days a week, but you don't feel good about it because you missed half your runs. Mm. And so um, I think, I think that's, you know, (laughs) that area is, is certainly somewhere where, where people, overshoot a little bit. Right. Um, and then it, speed workouts in general, you know, again, it's, it's, I guess it's fun to push hard. I don't know. That's debatable. Um, but you know, they, they want to have these intense speed workouts where they feel really hardcore and it, and it feels really tough. And, um, for most business runners, that's not what they need. Right. Like, um, you know, I tell people all the time as a thought experiment, like you can run your goal marathon pace right now for a mile, two miles, 10 miles, probably. Right. The, the speed is not the problem. The endurance and extending that speed for 26 miles is the problem. So let's, 
you know, um, almost, I, you know, almost no one that I coach does more than one speed workout a week. And I would say 70% of the people that come to me are doing two a week. <laughs> so, um, that's, that's a big shift for people for sure. Oh man. Oh yeah. Sorry. Was there a second part to your question that I forgot, Sam? I'm sorry. No, no, that was, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. Uh, what, okay. But yeah. When do you, when do you pull back? When do you, when do you push ahead? Great. Oh yeah. When you, when you push ahead, people, uh, you guys know they don't do enough, uh, other stuff. They don't do enough mm. stretching. They don't do enough, you know, muscle maintenance. They don't do enough strength work. They don't, you know, any of that, the, the, you know, runners like to run myself included. I'm as guilty of this at least as the next guy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, uh, that, that's where you always have to, to add more in. Um, and, uh, e even the things like post run strides, I find most people aren't doing and, and they're so helpful and, and so easy to work in, um, that that's something I add, add pretty regularly. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. I love, I love little, little stride speed work at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, this is great. So then Carl, if somebody wanted to, um, reach out to you and figure out like how yeah. they can work with you. Say they've really enjoyed this conversation and, and guys look like you don't have to be qualifying for, for Boston. Like, I think we've made it pretty clear. Like, uh, as long yeah. as, as long as you've, uh, are honest with why you want to run it and you, and you, uh, and you're open to having like real coaching instead of just somebody yelling at you, um, <laughs> coach Carl's your guy. Um, so if somebody wanted to, uh, um, find out more about you or maybe like inquire about how to work with you, like what's the best sure. way for you to do that? The, the best way probably is to email me. Um, and that's Carl at running coach, Carl.com. And, and it's with a C, um, Carl mm -hmm. with a C. Um, and my website is, is running coach, Carl.com. There's a, there's a contact form in there. You can fill out and I'll get it as well. Um, you know, but yeah, you can find out more information just about sort of my general philosophy and, um, you know, some blog posts and, and things on there that I think will give you a little bit of a, of a good idea as far as, the personality fit, the philosophy fit, all, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, I've, uh, my, my youngest daughter finally started preschool this fall. Uh, so I've been more consistent with my YouTube channel as well. Um, and, uh, and that's probably where you can, uh, get the most accurate information on my, my personality and my approach to things. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right. And last thing you training for anything right now? Oh no, no. <laughs> um, no, I, uh, I have a three-year-old, a six-year-old and, uh, anytime that I think I'm, you know, in a groove, then, uh, then somebody's homesick from school. Um, so, uh, a, a client of mine in Atlanta, uh, she has a goal next year. So this is a great example of the why, right? Like yeah. she has a goal next year. Um, she's, uh, she's going to run 52 races next year. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so not one every weekend, but, but 52 races, uh, in honor of her, uh, of her 52nd birthday. And, yeah. uh, so that's, that's the goal. And, um, so she's going to come out to uh, Colorado here to run in the garden of the gods, 10 miler with me in June. Nice. Um, and so I've, uh, I've, you know, committed to that. And so I need to be able to race 10 miles through garden of the gods by June. <laughs> um, that, that would be the only thing on the calendar right now. Let's get after it, man. Uh, good luck with that training. Uh, I really appreciate you. you getting on the call, man. Um, this has been yeah, a this is great conversation. I, I really enjoy some of the philosophies that you have surrounding your training and, and your coaching and, and who you like to work with and why. So, uh, and Sam, thank you so much for, for being an extra, extra set of eyes on this call too. And, uh, some extra questions. Um, this has been a really good podcast. I've been really excited with it. So really appreciate your time, coach Carl. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you again.
Hey, thanks so much for listening to the podcast today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Athletes Potential and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free in life, head over to athletespotential.com to learn more.